0: choices sometimes we make choices and uh, they have a lifetime effect on us and we don't know exactly how that's going to work or and and we don't we can't see the end of the road from the beginning from the place that we make the choice Um, last Sunday Jennifer and her sister and her brother-in-law and I we're going to take a trip on a train. We were gonna go into Barcelona and go to a cathedral and a museum and some stuff like that. So um, we went to, down to the train station and I went to the window and fumbled my way through asking her for the tickets and she gave me the tickets and I bought round trip tickets. Uh, we went to the train put our ticket in and got on the train. We hoped we were on the right train to go to the right place. We were never sure. Um, The one thing we didn't know was where to get off the train to do what we wanted to do. And so we finally decided that this was the right place, the train stopped, we got off. We went up into the terminal and it became abundantly clear that that was not the right place to get off. So we we, we made a poor decision. And 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 I say we, the truth is Jennifer will tell you that it was me. I made the wrong decision. And all four of us were stuck in the wrong place. But fortunately it was a decision that could be remedied. We went back down to the track, caught the next train. There was a train every 30 minutes. So we were only late by 30 minutes. But we still didn't know where to get off. The next time we got off, we did get off at the right place, but we went back up and when you exit the train station, you have to put your ticket back in so the gates will open and let you out. Uh, And before we did that, before we exited, there was a guard there and I went over and asked her if we were in the right place. I said, is this the place we wanna get off and is this the place we can get back on to go back where we came from? And she assured us it was the right place, so we got off, went up to the surface, and I immediately put a thing in my uh, phone that put a dot on that place so that when we got ready to go back home, I knew I could get back to that station. And we spent the day um, in Barcelona. We went back, went down there, and uh, the guard was gone. There wasn't a guard there at all. And we went to put our tickets in the machine to get back on to go home and my ticket wouldn't work I'd put it in and it would say bad ticket bad ticket put it in all the machines Jennifer's wouldn't work in two of the machines but it worked in the third one and Jennifer her sister and brother-in-law they went right through so anyway there they are on the other side of the barrier ready to get on the train and here I'm on the side where I can't get in I could get in. I could jump over that barrier. I may be old, but I'm not dead yet. You know, I could have got over it. But I'm looking around at the cameras, security cameras, and I'm thinking, yeah, next thing I'll be in a Spanish jail. Uh, so as we're talking about this. This really nice guy came in, <coughs> asked us what the deal was, and I showed him that my ticket didn't work, and his ticket didn't work. But he had another ticket, and his other ticket worked, and he got through and he turned around and handed me his ticket, so I got his ticket, went through, and then we paid him for it. He had one of those tickets that you know, has multiple rides on it. When we got back on the train, we thought we knew the right train to get on, but we weren't positive. But we got on the right train, we got to the right place, we did know the right stop to get off, We got to that stop and went down and pushed the button for the doors to open, and they wouldn't open. The doors wouldn't let us off the train. And pretty soon the train starts up again, and there we go, and we're still on the train. And we're sitting there, you know, now what? Well, long story short, we got on the train going back the other way. We got off, went to go, went to leave the station, and my ticket wouldn't let me out of the station. Fortunately, this time there was a guard there. I showed him my ticket. He looked at it. He told me to go down to the handicap thing, and I went down to the handicap thing. He pushed a button and let me out. I think all the decisions that we made, wrong ones, right ones, but they were all correctable. They were all something that, you know, here I am seven days later laughing about what happened. As we got off the train, Jennifer's sister said, you that reminds me of a song that the Kingston Trio sang about getting on the metro in Boston and never being able to get off again. You know, never he, returned, he, yeah. he never returned. He never returned. His wife had to meet him at the station every so often with a sandwich because he was just going back and forth on the metro. Um, decisions that we make, some good, some bad, When we were in Albuquerque, there was a couple of kids, a couple of boys that left Albuquerque. They were going to go to Wolf Creek and they were going to go skiing. Uh, But they missed the road. They got on the wrong road. And they realized they were on the wrong road, so they got their maps out and they looked at their map and they saw a shortcut from the road they were on over to the road they wanted to be on. And they decided to take that shortcut. You already know what's coming. Well, it was one of those roads they don't plow in the wintertime, and pretty soon they were stuck tight, and it was four days before they were, they were found, uh, stranded in the mountains on that road. You know, it was just a simple decision. Well, here, we'll take a shortcut, save a few hours, and get over there like that, and it cost them four days. Some decisions are even more drastic than that. We make a decision, we make the decision, and sometimes when we make it, it appears to be a routine, harmless decision, when in reality we're making a decision that's going to cast the whole direction of our life from then on. The story of Lot and Abraham is one of those stories. It's one of those stories of a decision that was made that affected two families forever. One man, Chose the eternal over the present. The other chose the present over the eternal. It's the story of, of two men, one who chose to live by the values that were invisible, the other one chose to live by the values that he could see, the values who were visible. And you live by the choices you make. And you've got to, to live your whole life sometimes with, as the result of a choice that you made, whether you made the choice according to eternal values or present values. And so I want us to look at the story. It's in Genesis chapter 13. And uh, three things I want you to see in that. The first is that if you're a person of faith, even if you make a wrong choice, you'll come back to walk with God. In Genesis chapter 13 verse 1 says so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. He and his wife with all that belonged to him and Lot was with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, I know it seems like an eternity ago, but last time we were together, we talked about Abram being in Egypt and the things that happened to him in Egypt. Remember, he had stepped out of the will of God. He had told a lie to Pharaoh. Uh, he had lost his wife. Pharaoh had come and taken his wife. And when the deception, when, when, uh, Abraham's deception and Sarah's deception were discovered. They were reprimanded by a pagan Pharaoh who said, you know, you ought to know better than to try to deceive me that way. And Pharaoh sent them out of the land. And so now here they are. They're leaving Egypt, and they're going back to the promised land. And it says, he left Egypt, headed to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot." Lot was his nephew. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see that, that in a second. But Lot had gone with him. He had been a part of it ever since they had left uh, Mesopotamia so many years before. But when Abram comes back to the land, after uh, he has been reprimanded by Pharaoh, and he comes back to the land, he comes back to the place. It says he, he journeyed on from the Negev. The Negev is in the south of Israel. He went on from there to Bethel, where he had originally gone when he'd come in to the land. And so Abram had had sojourned in the land of unbelief for a while, but now, a humbler, wiser man, he comes back to the place where he stopped walking with God. You see that? Bethel's the place where he decides, okay, I'm gonna go into Egypt. I'm not gonna trust in the promises of God anymore. And now he comes back to that place, and there he begins to walk with God again. It says, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 7, we read that Abram, back there sometime in the beginning of his walk with God, that God, the, the word is, the God of glory appeared to Abraham. Abraham had seen the God of glory. God had, had, had spoken to him and, and, uh, and, 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 and touched his life. And there was something about that experience, and there was something about Abraham's faith in God. You know, he didn't have a New Testament. He didn't have an Old Testament. He didn't have any Testament at all to read about the God of glory. He had just seen him, and he had this, this vision with him and this, this uh, conversation with him. And there was something about that that made him believe that God would give him a second chance. Now that's, in itself, that's an incredible thing. He he believed that if he repented, if he turned back to God, if he uh, confessed his sin, that somehow or another God would give him a second chance. And that's one thing that we need to remember about our God. You know the, the, the God that we serve, the God that, that we love, he never kicks you out. He never kicks you down. you know Any time you feel that inner voice in you that starts accusing you and telling you that you're not valuable and telling you that, that you can't repent or telling you that you can't come back to God, I'll guarantee you one thing that is not the God of glory speaking to you. that's Satan himself. That's the word Satan uses. Satan is the accuser. He is the one that accuses us of of being sinners. He's the one that that accuses us of being no good. Satan is the one who accuses us of of not measuring up. When God speaks to us, when the Holy Spirit is talking to your heart, there's one message. He's calling you to come closer. Come back to God. Come back to where you were. I'll give you another opportunity. I'll give you another choice. I love you. I love you. Please come back. And Abraham knows that about God somehow or another. And so he comes back to the place. Satan is accusing him. Pharaoh is accusing him. But the Holy Spirit convicts him and brings him back to hope. And so Abraham made the choice to go back to the place where he had stopped walking with God. Sometimes we find our own selves in a place where we realize that we used to be closer to God than we are now. Somehow, or another we stray and we, we we walked away. You used to feel like you knew God, but something happened and and, and we've moved away. Something happened in our life. Maybe it was a, a relationship or an experience or a job. Um, and, and somehow or another, God's not the priority in our life that he once was. Uh, it could be an event that took place, good event or a bad event, a good time or a bad time. But in every situation, we made a choice. And we may not have realized it at the time how important that choice would become. But the result is we moved away from our walk of faith. Now, does that happen to you? I, I, I know that's happened to me. Has that happened to you? You've moved away from where you once were with the Lord. And, and, and here's, here's, here's the message in this. God is saying to you, come back. Come back to the last place we walked together. I'm waiting for you there. I didn't leave you. You left me. Come back to where we are. Years and years. Before John wrote his little letter in 1 John, before the gospel was even well known, before Jesus had even died on the cross, Abraham already knew the words. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see what a great statement that is? Abraham already knew it. Abraham already knew it. And so he came back to the place. And then he begins to act like a man of God, like a person of God. And he chooses to live at peace with others. Now, here's what happened. It in, starts in, in, uh, in verse 5. Now, Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And then the Canaanite and the Perizzites were also dwelling in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, not between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers. The whole land is before you. Please separate from me. Let's divide up, he says. If to the left... You go, then I will go to the right. Or if it's to the right that you go, then I will go to the left. Now, here, here's some of the background for that. Nephew Lot. Lot was the, was the uh, son of Abraham's older brother who died back in Mesopotamia. Lot was also his brother-in-law because Sarah was also the daughter of his brother Haran. So Abraham married his niece, who was the sister of Lot. And and, and so there there was a lot of family there together. But God had so prospered them, that there wasn't any more room for them to live together. They needed to split up because their their flocks were too big and their herdsmen were, were starting to feud with one another. And so here, here's Abram, and Abram could have said, he said, okay, Lot, listen here, bud. God promised this land to me, and I'm going to take what I want, and you can have what's left. I have the right of the property. I'm older. I'm your uncle. I have the power to take the land from you. But that's not what he did. He did the generous thing. He said, Lot, you choose. Take ever which land you want. And you go and dwell there, and I will go the other way. And I think partly it's because he learned in Egypt that he could depend on God. No matter what the situation, even if there's a famine in the land, he needs to be dependent on God and not on his own choices. It's the mark of a person of faith. In Ephesians, Paul says, we ought to submit ourselves to one another. We ought to be people, men and women of God, who can trust God. And in trusting God, we can be submissive to others. And and folks, that just simply means we can give up our rights in those thousand and one matters that take place in a household I can give up my rights I can give in to, to the other person in those thousands and one things that matter in a house or in a church I don't have to demand that things be done my way I can trust that God will do things his way and that, that's the mark of, of a person of faith and in my experience and God's experience in the Scripture is that any church that moves forward in the kingdom of God is a church that has mature men and women of faith, pastors and laity, who are willing to forego their own rights in order that the church can move forward, in order that God can be in control, in order that God can do those things that needs to be done. And then they make the choice verse 10 Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar and so it's describing this land it's the land of the Jordan River he says they're, they're standing at a point there and, and they can see out into the desert out into the, the wilderness into the desert hills uh And that they can look up there, and then they can look down into the Jordan River, and they can see that water and all the greenery and and all the crops and everything. Um, and, and, And Lot gets his choice. So Lot chose for himself, verse 11, all the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward. They were separated from one another. Abram settled in the land of Canaan. While Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Lot looked and saw a watered valley, the Lower Jordan Valley. He chose that valley because it was immediately appealing. There's more grass there, there there, there, there are more crops there, there's there's more fruit there. Uh, But it was spiritually damning, because he must have known what the Scripture says in verse 13, that Sodom was a place of wickedness. He must have been aware of that, but that wasn't important to him. He just goes with Abraham where Abraham goes, and when it comes to faith, He's in the shadow of Abraham, and when he has the opportunity, he chose the immediate. And the scripture just, it kind of gives his decline. In verse 10, it says, he looked up and he saw Sodom. And then in verse 12, it says, he pitched his tent near Sodom. And then in chapter 14, we read, since he was living in Sodom. And so first he took the valley, then he got near to Sodom, then he moved into Sodom. And then in chapter 19, it says that he was sitting in the gate of Sodom, which means he was part of the ruling class in Sodom. And so that that was, you know, there on the mountain, they made that decision. And Lot says, I choose to go there. And he moved down into the valley. He moved close to Sodom. He moved into Sodom. He became part of what the Bible calls an exceedingly wicked city he made that choice and it continued to lead him downhill I know a lot of folks like that you know at one time they they were believers and then they made the choice to begin to follow the immediate and they moved further and further and further and further away from God until you couldn't even recognize them as believers anymore. Abraham chose the eternal over the present. And after Lot left, he was alone. His traveling companion, Lot, was gone and taking all of his herds and his herdsmen and his family and all of that And and, and I can imagine Abraham saying to himself, you know, I tried to do what was right, and he stole me blind. He took everything that was good and left me with nothing. And then, just as he's thinking that, God makes plain once again his promise. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and your descendants forever. Understand, this is also the land that Lot just took. It's also what Lot just took. And the Lord says, it's all yours. It's all going to belong to your descendants. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, and your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. You see the difference between the two? One moved to Sodom, one moved to Bethel, one moved to men one move to god one move to wickedness one move to holiness that's the difference between the two i think probably the difference was is that lot's faith was second hand you know you know what i mean when i say second hand lot had never seen the god of glory god had never experienced the god of glory and and there's evidence that that's rife in our churches that's rife in in, in Christianity, people who, who have never seen the God of glory. I was reading some statistics that said that f- as many as 40% of the people who are members of our churches are not saved. Now, you know what you can do with statistics, right? Uh, you don't always believe all the statistics. But even if that's close, even if it's only half that member many, that means two of every ten are not saved. Three of every ten. They're not saved. They've never seen the God of glory. We we ought to be aware of that. Do you know the God of glory? Did you see the God of glory? Is Jesus Christ real in your life? There's an old question we we used to ask uh, when we were trying to determine whether or not somebody was a Christian. We we, we asked this question. If, if you were to stand before God right now, today, and ask him, why, and he ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? What is your response? What would you say? Some people would say, well, I, I think you should let me in because I try to be good. I'm a good person. I do more good things than, than bad things. I, I try to be a good person. Or or we would give a religious reason. I've been baptized. I joined the church. I I taught in Sunday school. I served in in the church. Uh, I even preached the gospel, so you should let me in because I'm a religious person. Or a spiritual reason. Well, God, I've always believed in you. I just have great feelings towards you. You, You're always so so marvelous in my life. I think about you a lot. And, folks, if any of those are your answers, You're one of that 40%. That's not salvation. None of those are salvation. That's not how we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not seeing the God of glory. We're trusting the wrong thing. The Bible gives only one correct answer for that question. I'm counting on you letting me in heaven because Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid my price, and I'm trusting in Jesus, the God of glory. You know, we live with the choices we make, whether they're the present or the eternal. And if we discover that we're away from faith in God, there's only one place to go, and that's back where you left him. God's still right there back where you left him, waiting for you to come home. Abraham went back. lot went on. And the story gets worse. But I promised you I'd let you go, so I'll stop. And uh, we'll go on to chapter 14 next week. Let's pray together.